Because you have milky tea, it's Yorkshire tea. Made with Yorkshire water and milk from a cow. Proper milk, delivered in a milk bottle on my doorstep in the morning. Hey, what's going on, guys? On this episode of Drugs and Stuff, Dave and I talk about all things fat burners. Plus, we've got a bunch of listener questions. We've got timestamps below if you want to skip around. And thank you to our great sponsor, TrueNutrition.com. Thank you for supporting everything we do. And hey, shout out to Vigorous Steve. He sent a bunch of people our way. We appreciate you, brother. Guys, if you haven't checked out Vigorous Steve, we'll have links to him down below. But first, hang on, because we're going to get started with Drugs and Stuff right now. So, guys, today we have uh, a few things lined up for you on the agenda. Uh, our topic for the day is going to be fat burners, and uh, we have a bunch of listener questions. If you guys want to uh, throw in any questions here on the live feed here at the uh, Think Big Facebook group, feel free. Uh, for everybody who's watching on YouTube, once again, thank you for the 10K. We appreciate it. We're, we're glad to have you guys along. We appreciate all your feedback. Uh, all the comments, like, you know, share, subscribe, all that jazz. And I will encourage you today, if you enjoy this podcast, share it with somebody else that you think would enjoy it too. Share the love. Share the love. So what's up, man? Where do we get this thing started, Dave? <laughs> okay. What do you, you uh, want to start with? Well, someone says they want us to do a whiskey podcast now, so uh, <laughs> we'll have to start that next. What is that? Yeah. How about a whiskey podcast next week? Problem is, I don't drink, so I just have to sit here and nod my head and, and agree with you, Dave. That'd be that'd be the issue. Well, no, you have to drink whiskey on the podcast. That's the point. Oh, I just put it here in my so, shaker cup. Yeah, we'll just we'll just get you pissed as a fart. That that would that, that would definitely be worth watching. It'd be awesome for my recovery too. That'd be that'd be great. <laughs> All right, listen, let's let's start this thing up right. Um, let's begin with our topic of the day. Uh, as you mentioned before the show, this is about the time of the year where people are starting to think about getting in shape. I mean, it's May now. Cinco de Mayo is tomorrow. Uh, the time we record this, it'll actually come out after that. Um, mm. And probably right around Mother's Day, actually, I think. So Talking, uh, talking of mothers, and mom says hi. Oh, wow. Betty McNally is with us. Hey, what's up, Betty? I don't really call her that. That's my that's mom. So you don't call your mom by your first name. That's disrespectful. Of course. So, uh, yeah, fat burners, like you said before the show, uh, we're getting to that time of year. If you want to get in shape for the summer, people are starting to shift their goals towards burning fat. Um, I think, you know, the most common fat burners that we have in our sport I would say is clenbuterol, T3 to a lesser extent, T4. Uh, Yohimbine is also used. Of course, there's DNP, which is kind of like the big scary one of all of them. Uh, and I'll, I actually I, I have something to ask you, Dave. Have you noticed this? About a decade ago, there were a ton of over-the-counter fat burners like VPX and everybody else they had all these different fat burners on the market, it does not seem to be as popular of a product for over-the-counter supplement companies to sell anymore. Have you noticed that? Yeah, you've missed one. What's that? You've missed probably the most widely used fat burner on the planet. Oh, shit. What's that? T5. 
T5. So I, you, yeah, I guess it is. So T5 would well, be. You, like you got to remember T5's ephedrine. T5's branched. Yeah, it's it's moved out of bodybuilding and moved into general fat loss circles. So yeah, T5 is very very common in 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 weight loss circles in general. Whereas obviously T3, T4, DMP is very much a bodybuilding drug to a large extent. Yeah. Yeah, Nick mentions uh, Muscle Tech Hydrocut back in 2002 was fantastic. And it's products like that. Like 2002, you saw a ton of that stuff. We used to. Dave, what was that? What was that sound? Nothing. I don't know. God, is that you? Okay, I'm just letting you know. The listeners are not going to like that. I'm just telling you. Right, what? So. Ephedrine is not legal here as a fat burner in the U.S. You can't put it in supplements. How about there? No. No? No. Um, you, we saw, I mean, you saw for a while ephedra um, quite a lot in stuff, but that seems to have died away. But there was a t- Do you remember Ultimate Orange? Yes, yes. That was, that's old school. <laughs> that was packed with ephedrine. <laughs> I was so young when that stuff came out. I didn't understand the concept and I had a tub of it and I would like do a set of curls and then take a drink of it and then like do another set of curls and then take a drink of it. I didn't get the concept that this is like a pre it was the first pre-workout. Dan Duchesne came out with that stuff. It, it, yeah, I suppose it was really, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, Jesus, look where they've gone now. Yeah. Oh, that stuff was like rocket fuel. It was unreal. And that was basically uh, ECA is what it came down to. You know, they had the, basically yeah the yeah. ECA formula in it. Um, man, speaking of pre-workouts, I've had some, there was some stuff called craze. I don't know if you heard of that. Yeah. But, I've, I've never got on with pre-workouts. Um, I, I did for a long time get, I used to use a lot of ephedrine, um, started off sort of, Training wise, then became, I suppose, in a way, almost habitual. Uh, helped with work, helped with this, helped with that, and, and the result of that was anxiety for quite a period of time. And ever since then, I've, I've got, I've, I'm very sensitive to pre workouts. I just don't like them. So, hmm. I mean, I remember seeing Craze about, but I've never used it. Yeah, there was like an illegal drug in that for a while. And they ended up getting in trouble, and then they had to reformulate. But that stuff was freaking wicked strong. I'm sure you could lose some fat on it. Um, ECA, though, I think you bring up a good point, man. That is widely used, and it, it kind of branched off into the mainstream. We came up with a product here in the U.S. called Metabolite. or Yeah, Metabolife, that's what it was. And, like, housewives were popping ECA with Metabolife all day. It was, like, 30 bucks a bottle. People were – it was, like, a pyramid-type thing. Uh, but it did really well, and I, I think the product's still around, although it's probably been altered at this point. Um, what would you say is your favorite out of the fat burners we've talked about so far? Favorite from a personal angle or favorite? Favorite is you know, as, as a coach and, and as somebody who has used fat burners in the past, what, what, what have you seen as being like, you know, the, the real get up and go? Cause I, I, I kind of have a tie between two, but I figured I'd ask you. I I do actually quite like T5. Uh, okay. It's simple, it's basic, but it's very predictable. Um, it's not difficult to manage. Uh, and 
you know, in, in most cases, when you're really getting to the nitty gritty end of uh, dieting, then that little kick up the arse does help. Sure. But like many things, take too many and it, it can cause you a problem and bite you on the arse. Uh, not a fan of DMP. I know people get on with it quite well. I know people that have used it quite a lot and done very well with it. I don't like it. I, I find it a horrible drug. Um, and I find it... A, there's certain drugs that give you a very dirty feeling, if you know what I mean, and that's very hard to describe. And DMP is one of them. And strangely enough, ephedrine never really was that for me, even though actual straight amphetamine used to make me feel like absolute garbage. You know, I'll tell uh, you T three would be. I was just going to say on on ephedrine, I didn't have that good of an experience because I found clen to be more stabilizing for me because it has that the long half-life it's consistent mm -hmm. versus running t3 at the end of a diet because it was so fast i'd take it in the morning before my fasted cardio and have this big spike but then i'd come down and i needed to take more in order to just kind of be stable so i was kind of on a roller coaster with with uh ephedrine versus something like clen was just kind of consistent i yeah the thing is i i i I used it for its performance boost. So it was okay. more for, you know, to deal with the lagging energy side of things. It's great for that. Um, but yeah, there is a peak and trough situation where you've got to be a little bit careful of, and timing's got to be a little bit careful, or you end up going to bed and sitting there giving it oh, all night long. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, I like T3, uh, and T3 seems to be in most cases to be incredibly well tolerated by most people. Yeah. Um, whereas Clen can can cause its problems out of all the fat burners we probably use commonly, T3 is probably the most well tolerated of them um, and probably gives you the best balance of sides in relation to performance. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think just like, here's a big factor. Um, it comes down to dosing. Uh, Very much so. If, if you know, you haven't taken Clen before and then you go online and you read about like Clenbuterol profile, you see a lot of really nasty side effects and they, you know, you're going to get the tremor and is that a different, what is that? I thought you turned it off, Dave. That's the doorbell. Is it really? Who's at your house? Who comes door to door nowadays? I don't know. I'm, I'm down in the basement. How am I supposed to know? For real, who comes to houses nowadays? Do you have visitors? Do you get visitors? delivery drivers? Oh, do they ring the bell there? Yeah. Oh, we don't, well, I don't what are they supposed we, to do? I don't think we get that. Throw it out of the door? That's pretty much what they do here. Pretty much. <laughs> Sorry, guys. If you're you a <laughs> driver for UPS right now, I apologize. Um, don't. The shit. <laughs> ooh. And so are pretty much most parcel companies from my experience. But no, um, yeah, they um, it'll probably be a delivery driver. So, okay, so we, we've gone through our list. And you, I asked you what your favorite was, and you pretty much said all of them, kind of. You went through the whole thing. You didn't. I said T3 and T5. Oh, I thought you – I guess you did. Okay. And you Press don't the like button, DMP? Scott. Press the button. Guys, I have a button here. Press Fuck off, Scott. You know, my mom might be listening to this right now, Dave. Fuck off, Scott. 
I'm sorry, Mother, but he needs to be put in place. What can I say? Fuck off, Scott. I have another one, I too. Forgot we had that. I have another. I got another button, too. We need to make a series of them. <laughs> I have another button, but I'm not going to hit it now because we need to stay on track. So, okay. I would say I would say my choice would be a little different. Clen and T3. Those would be the jam. And there's a synergy between them. I find that you can use less of each uh, and get a, a good effect. I think that uh, as I was, you know, saying that with with Clen, you can get a lot of side effects if you dose it really high. Uh, but you know, I'm working with a guy who hadn't taken Clen before and he wanted to use it. So we are, you know, we're working on burning fat. I had him start at 20 micrograms and I've talked about the protocol that I used before. Uh, he's, he's like, I think the clen is fake because I'm not getting any of those sides that I read about. But realistically, if you take a really low dose, you're not going to necessarily feel too much of anything. And if you do, it's probably going to go away in two days. Yeah. I mean, uh, sides are literally that they're side effects. They're not present in every situation. Yeah. So T3 and ECA for uh, our guys out there that are looking to burn fat, how would you dose that? T3, I would always start low. So I would start 25 micrograms. Um, You can go quite high depending on how. I mean, a lot depends where are you with your diet, how long do you have to achieve your accomplishment, you know, where you want to be in your condition. And a lot of things like that would determine dose. But I, I, I would be sensible with teethy. I don't think – I think people tend to overrun it. Um, so I, I would I would probably run T3 between 25 and 50 micrograms. I don't think I'd go much above that. I do agree with the synergy. And I think if you want the, the, the tri-vector of it all, then it's growth, clen, mm. and T3. What is it about uh, that they, combo? Um, oh, wait, you were I, about to tell me. No, I wasn't, because I was just about to oh. say I don't really know. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> there is, I mean, we know there's a, there's an element of, of, of GH and T3 working well. I'm not sure why the three of those together do have that such effective synergy, but they do seem to, to make a, um, a, a complete triangle when it comes to fat loss. Yeah. Um, I would agree with that completely. And I, I think that T3, you know, and I've mentioned this before, you know, you could, as you're dieting, your natural thyroid production gets diminished. Um, mm-hmm. By taking a replacement dose of T3, even just a small dose of it, let's say, I mean, you could even go lower, but let's say 20 micrograms, 25 micrograms, that's enough to keep you evenly burning despite what you're doing with your diet. And that can be huge. You know, when you get to a point where you're dieting and your food's really low, it can be very helpful to to have that in your corner, just like it is to have testosterone in your corner, you know, as you're dieting. In fact, I'm talking to a, a, a friend of mine who his testosterone, he's a natural guy, and his testosterone is getting lower and lower as he's dieted down, you know. <coughs> If you simply had, I mean, we talk about what should you run for a cycle. In his case, even if he had like 200 milligrams of test, it, he would probably feel dramatically better on the diet. 
you know, probably retain muscle better, have more strength, all of that, you know, and that's at a very low dose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, you've, you've got two elements to fat loss, haven't you? You've got the actual creating a situation where the fat is usable as an energy source. And then you've got the energy deficit so that you need to use the fat as an energy source. Yeah. So really, you'd be looking at a combo of something that stimulates energy use and something that uh, puts fat in a favorable position to be consumed as energy. Hmm. And a combination of those two should, on paper, be a very effective way of approaching fat loss. I mean, obviously, you can create the energy expenditure yourself you don't need a chemical to do that but when you get towards the back end of things it can start to get quite taxing and i would say with clen my thought would be to keep the dosing as low as possible to get a good effect like i said i think if you have a diet that's working let's say you have you know eight weeks to a contest and you're cruising along you're moving along and you wanted to add clen in I promise you that adding 20 micrograms of clanin will make a difference with that plan. It's not going to make up for a bad plan, but it's going to work and you're going to get some progress out of that for, you know, a good couple of weeks. And then from there, mm-hmm. I'd go to 40 and see what you can do with that for a couple of weeks. You could slowly pyramid that way and, and not end up even having taken a really high dose. I think people have the most trouble when they, they try to cycle on and get to the highest dose they can for a short period of time. And then they cycle off and, uh, you know, well, the other problem with that as well is that when you use – so obviously our fat loss rate is is basically governed by calories in, calories out. I mean, there are things that influence that and, and have influencing factors in that. But yeah. So effectively, by introducing fat burners, you're cheating that equation because you are making a situation where your calorie expenditure will be higher – than it is in the real world. So in that way, your food can stay slightly higher and you don't need to drop the food as low as you may would to achieve that goal naturally. The bigger or the larger dose you use with a fat burner, the bigger or larger the rebound is going to be when you remove those fat burners because the differential between calories in and calories out is going to be greater because it's going to be more compensated by the fat burners that you use. Hmm. So if you can keep it low then uh, you'll have much less of a problem with rebound post-diet. And for those that are dieting for a lifestyle change or those that are dieting for a permanent change, I'd be very reluctant to use a fat burner full stop in those scenarios. Hmm. I'd only really use a fat burner if I was trying to achieve condition that was a temporary measure, as you would do for competition. Well, okay, I can see what you're saying. At the same time, just to counter that, um, I think that you could reach your goals faster. Uh, it, it, of course, it, it, having the foundation is still the same, you know. Uh, yeah, but the, the problem is if you reach your goal faster, say, say I'm trimming because I just want to get a little bit leaner because I've got fat and I want to basically be leaner for the rest of my days. Yeah. And I use fat burners to achieve that goal. Then I haven't adjusted my diet to accommodate where I am weight-wise, because the fat burners are compensating for that. Of course, you have so, to have the diet adjusted too, but if so, you yeah, but did, you don't know where the diet is, do I? How do I know what diet I need to maintain that weight if I've used fat burners to achieve that weight? 
Well, you'd have to figure it out when you came off of them. But let's say you got the diet moving and everything's progressing along and then you add that ECA in uh, for a month, say, you know, you come off of it, you figure out what you need to do next. But and, and I think that's what a lot of people who view the show are probably thinking. They want to, you know, at the end of the day, they want to achieve it faster. And I think that what you're saying is important. We should definitely pay attention to it because, yeah, you can't you can't it's not a shortcut. You know, you can't just take this and reach your goal and then stay there because you took. In fact, I had a guy who told me he was like uh, he was a guy who does pers- did personal training with me here for a while at the at the home gym. And he, out of the blue, he texts me and he was like, hey, I've heard good things about DNP. I'm having a really hard time staying on my diet and I'm really busy. Uh, I, I don't really ha- you know, have the tools to do what it takes to lose fat. Would DNP be a good option? And I think with what you're saying right here, that's completely applies to him. If he were to take DMP, he'd probably he not probably he would lose fat. But let's go six months down the road. Where would he be? Because he didn't have the wherewithal to stay on the diet to begin with. Mm-hmm. But just you know, generally speaking, when you remove fat burners, you will see a rebound. Yeah, yeah, I guess you you do. Uh, yeah. Whereas if you're just changing diet for a lifestyle situation then I would be tempted as much as possible to leave the fat burners out of it. Yes, they'll get you there faster, but you're going to have difficulty holding that condition you achieve in the initial period when you finish your diet because your body's going to automatically rebound because the chemicals are what's accommodating the fat loss rather than the diet that is accommodating the fat loss. So you'll be leaner in comparison to the calories you're consuming at that point than you should be. Yeah. yeah. That's my I uh, I ran into that when I experimented with DNP. Uh, I switched DMP, I added DNP. I switched my diet up. Uh, the guy S2H guy from another program we do was helping me, and I mentioned it before. He had like this diet where like all of a sudden my carbs are coming from fats, and uh, excuse me from fruits, and there were no fats in the diet, and then I lost a bunch of you know weight in a five six day period of time. But then coming off of that, it's like, well, what do I need to do now to continue this? Because now I lost all of this, you know, five, six pounds. It was actually like 10 pounds on the scale. Uh, what do I do now? Because I was plugging along and I knew like, OK, if the diet slowed down, I needed to make a small change. Now I jumped forward and it's like I didn't know. It took me another two weeks to figure out how to how to keep the, the, the progress moving at that point. Mm hmm. Yeah, it, it can be. Someone's just commented up, actually. Any benefits to T3 during the bulk growth phase? In my opinion, no, but I'd be interested to see what you think. Now, I don't know about this. Uh, Dave Callick had talked about not T3, but T4. Uh, T4 at a low dose with growth hormone. And that... Dio whatever enzyme there's two enzymes that convert t4 to t3 and that it can be beneficial to enhance growth when combined together with growth hormone and we're talking like a low low dose i wanted to say it was like 50 micrograms of t4 have you ever heard about that i've i've heard this brought up before about thyroxine use in off season um to help with metabolism and 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 help with growth but i've never seen anything that's convinced me that the real world impacts are are 
worth considering personally. T3. I could say it wouldn't be a good idea for someone like myself who's more ectomorphic. I think it's hard enough for me to get the calories in. Um, well, sorry, but when anyone ever says ectomorphic, I just think of Ghostbusters. <laughs> Ectoplasm. Me. I can't help it. First thing that comes into my head is a is a hearse with a siren flying down the road. I can't help it. Um, but you know, it's 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 not something I can say that I've made a practice of uh, in my work as as a nutrition coach. Um, I have heard of it being done, and if you were to experiment with it. I would say try it at a, a really low dose. If you were to run a high dose, I can guarantee you that it would impact your gains. Um, in my experience, it's just not something I would personally do. I have heard of people doing it, though, Dave. What's your take? Yeah, I'd be very similar. Um, my understanding is the basic thought process is that you can impact metabolic rate um, on high bulks, and so therefore you put something in to improve metabolism, i.e. T3. Um, but um, I think there's better ways of doing it, and we all know that T3 at any decent dose is a risk of being catabolic. Obviously, if you're in a cycle, that's really not going to matter, but why would you take one thing that's going to oppose what you're doing in other areas? It just... I sh Keep it simple. Yeah, yeah. There you go. I, I just... I just, to me, off-season should be simple, not necessarily low-dose drugs, but low-impacting drugs, you know, so you're going to stay away from harsh stuff, uh, a focus on health, a focus on heavy, good, hard lifting, and a focus on good, heavy, wholesome food. Heavy food? Oh, well, large amounts of food, I think, is where I was going there. Yeah. Um, and, and, and just that, to me, is, is how you should approach a bulk. Um, I think people spend far too much time over complicating books uh, and generally getting very little from it. Prep, that becomes a little bit more complex, particularly if you're, you're in a situation where you're a little bit behind and you're trying to appear leaner than you really are on stage. But um, with, with, with off-season, I'd keep fat burners out of it. Maybe a very, very low dose of GH, sort of EOD or something along those lines. But apart from that, I'd probably keep my book simple, basic, very old school. But it's old school because it works. Yeah, yeah. You know, and there's there's, there's plenty of guys over the history of body and built tremendous physiques off-season with very simple protocols and just rinse and repeat. And we're always looking for that magic bullet. We're always looking for that, that secret formula and – really the secret formula is consistency and hard work sure yeah at the end of the day i think that a lot of times we look at fat burners as being a shortcut to that so although i did want to kind of come up with an argument about how they could be a shortcut at the end of the day i think that is that is a key point you know what are you drinking there cup of tea is it really tea yeah is it tea time there right now you got you have milk in that. Well, of course you have milk in tea. It's Yorkshire tea made with Yorkshire water and milk from a cow. Huh. 
Proper milk delivered in the milk bottle on my doorstep in the morning. Is there? Do you for real get milk delivered on your doorstep? Yeah. You're fucked. You're kidding five me. A, no, five o'clock in the morning. They still do that there, huh? Hey, what's going on, guys? Thanks for watching another podcast here at Think Big Bodybuilding Media. And thank you to our great sponsor, TrueNutrition.com, for making this all possible. TrueNutrition.com is owned by Dante Trudell, the creator of DC Training. He wanted to create a supplement company that offered high-quality third-party tested supplements at a fair price. High-quality protein powders, just about every type you could think of. Huge variety of flavors, plus health and performance supplements. Check them out, TrueNutrition.com. And hey, if you use our code ADVICES, you directly support our podcasting. Thanks, guys. Let's get back to the program. Well, listen, let's get to our listener questions. We've got a bunch of those. Um, we'll knock these out for everybody. And we got a few on the live feed, too. So we'll start out with the stuff we had from YouTube. Um, let's see. Question for the podcast. Did Dave or yourself ever run a keto diet while on, while on cycle? Yes. Yeah. You have personally? I'm sure you've run clients on keto as well. I I, I like keto as a priming. Uh, so I like to use keto to sort of just... You think is when someone comes to you as a client, you've no idea what's gone on before. Yeah. And with the best will in the world, clients lie. Yeah. Uh, and with the best will in the world we lie to ourselves, you know, on my diet, it's been pretty decent. It's just been a little bit bad when in reality, it's been chocolate every day. Uh, but we do that to ourselves as well. So it's not, this isn't a criticism of clients. It's just human nature. Um, so I like to use keto just to tidy things up and make sure the insulin sensitivity is where it can be. Uh, but I, I've used keto on cycle. Um, I've used it whilst dieting. I found keto, very good from a point of view of cravings and hunger yeah. management and that side of thing. Uh, I found it exceptionally good for that, but it didn't suit my style of training. Yeah. Well, you're, you're so gonna I get... think if you're a volume trainer, keto's a good option, but I think if you're a more Dorian-esque trainer, then keto may, you might find it gets frustrating because you're going to see an impact in your gym performance. Yeah, that can be an issue for sure. And, it, uh, you know, one of the topics we had recently on Blood, Sweat and Gear was growing into a show. Um, I, I don't think that you're going to have as much chance of growing while you diet if you remove an entire, you know, an entire macro. So mm -hmm. it, I think it can be beneficial in keto if it's needed. Um, I've used it in the past, though. I don't think I do as well on it. I'm better off to have stayed leaner to not need to get to the point where I need keto. I find that that's my best bet. If I can stay leaner in my off season, then I don't have to diet quite as hard and I don't get to the state where I need keto. I think you make a good valid point of being able to use it as a way to reset. You know, you're not going to get as many cravings because that insulin, you know, you're not getting the, the crazy blood sugar spikes. You know, the, the yeah. reasons people end up having cravings and you can look at it in your diet sometimes. Like I'll talk to a client and they'll be like, yeah, I'm always having these cravings in the afternoon. And then we look and maybe they had a shake two hours before that, you know, and then mm -hmm. it's like I always get in the afternoon. Well, it's after that shake where your blood sugar gets spiked by the shake and now it's coming down. So now you want to you want to bring that blood sugar back up, whereas keto, you, everything's going to be really consistent and the fats aren't going to give you those huge spikes. 
It's um, one of the reasons I struggle with cheat meals because mm. you get that sugar spike and then my cravings go through the roof and, and I'm stood opening the fridge door and just sort of emptying it into my mouth. It, yeah. Which, so generally why I always, if I'm going to diet, I respond better to harsher diets because it doesn't give me that flexibility and it doesn't give me the sugar spikes. Yeah, and it's, it's a good idea to have cheat meals toward the end of the day, but if somebody was real sensitive to that then you, you know the, that could carry over into the next day even possibly a couple I'll, days i'd get i'd get up at middle of night yeah there you go yeah i would literally I'd, I'd the cravings used to be so bad that i would literally get up in the middle of the night and just empty fridges yeah empty cupboards you know and, and there'd be no sense to what i was eating it would just be whatever i found i'd make a sandwich out of it you know <laughs> i just <laughs> picture like that. this giant bear in the kitchen just like rummaging through goods <laughs> <laughs> big airy ass sat there yeah very much so yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> okay so somebody said this and i wasn't quite sure uh what they meant but i figured i'd post it up see if we could talk about it this is we talked about berberine last episode. Shouldn't it be like a hard number of reduced carbs and then consider berberine metformin f- to maintain uh, ninety uh, on your glucose fasting or something like that? Do you want, can you un- interpret what he means by that? I think what he's suggesting is shouldn't you do effectively what we've just discussed, so a keto-esque style or a very low-carb style diet to improve the sensitivity Mm. and then add the berberine in to maintain it. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a very, very viable and and very efficient approach. But even adding a berberine into with no preceding carb drop will still improve how your body handles those nutrients in your, your partitioning. So... The, the the pre-low-carb is not essential, but I would definitely think it's the better approach, yes. Okay. Okay. Well, that's how I read it anyway. It might mean something completely different. I've just made myself look a complete twat. I don't well, know. you did better than me, so there's that. Um, Scott, what do you and Dave think about running orals while waiting for injectables to clear the system and prior to PCT, for example, a cycle of test E as the base used for four weeks until the test E has cleared uh, and then changed to your PCT meds. Not unheard of. Uh, I know people that do similar with fast acting where they'll they'll back the back end of their cycle up with fast acting. Um, so they may do 10 weeks of test E and then they'll go test prop for the last two weeks and then and then start PCT. Um, is there much to be gained from from that keeping the hormone levels that little bit higher for those last two weeks? I don't necessarily think it's going to be a night and day situation. Um, you might get a little bit. I would possibly, under normal circumstances, personally, I wouldn't really consider it. But if a cycle was going particularly well, yeah. But I had time constraints where I couldn't extend the cycle to to literally make hay while the sunshine sort of approach. Then I would possibly look at that as an alternative to to squeeze in as much productive time as I could in the short period that I was set to. Um, but that's a very distinct sort of set of parameters you're having to work around for 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 me for that to to feel necessary. Yeah, I could see one place like here's an example of how you could complicate your cycle. And then potentially cause more issues going into PCT. 
if you were to say run a bunch of D ball for four weeks, you 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 can get the D ball out of your system really quick. But now your estrogen levels are going to be all whacked, you know. So going into PCT with a really high estrogen level is going to be different than if you were to let the drugs taper out of your system for that four week period of time. Dave, David. Can you please inform Tez Tezza that I can read the comments he is posting? That cheeky bugger. Let's see. So I oh, oh. So we had Casey said, Don't you think Dave should do some sort of voice acting? And then Tez said this. Yeah, he's got a face for radio. We need a fuck off Tez button. Fuck off, Scott. Can we bar him? <laughs> fuck off, Scott. But Tez. Can we do like Facebook and ban him for a week from the show? <laughs> we could. We could. Um, one of our guys, uh, looks like uh, Michael, asked a question, but he's got to go. We're going to answer your question. Uh, you can check it out on uh, next week's episode. So let's see what else we had here, though. I think we've gotten questions like this before. Uh, what do you think is the best HGH and insulin protocol for bulking? We haven't really talked about insulin dosing. Dave, you don't like pre-workout. You don't like insulin. You don't like growth, right? No, it's not that I don't get it out like there. it. Let's get it out there. No, not at all. Um, um, I a low dose GH throughout your cycle. Yep, no problem. Off season, every other day, sort of approach. I, I, I see no, I see no issue with that. Uh, GH isn't going to cause muscular growth, but it is going to improve recovery. Uh, but you have to capitalize on that as well. So if you're going into a GH protocol, then you need to be increasing your training frequency. Wait, okay. Now or we talked least- about this before and you had mentioned that, but do you really need to? Because I feel like, and I didn't say this cause I hadn't really formulated it, but I thought about it since. I think that a lot of people aren't getting enough recovery to begin with. A lot well, of that, that would be, da- I mean, I'm assuming on the fact that in a, in a non-training state, in a non-assisted state, so either crews or being off completely, that you are recovering from your training. Because if you're not, then you need to overhaul your own program at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, insulin, a low dose with meals um, is beneficial. Take some stress off the beta cells. Uh, will 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 not will actually have less of an impact on insulin resistance building through your off season than it would without. Yeah. But if you're a book fifty, then that isn't a consideration. You know. <laughs> See, I spoke American ease then. What do you mean? If you're a hundred, I said a book fifty. Oh, so you did. Fifty pounds. You yeah. were speaking ah, my language. Easy. I didn't even catch it. Yeah. Um. So. Um, you know, it's it's something that comes in with the bigger boys or the higher food consumptions. Rather, yeah. not saying that you're bigger, but you're pushing your food consumption high for you. Yeah. So if you're starting to struggle with the volume of food, then then I would consider an insulin protocol definitely. If you just want to look big uh, and that's your whole desire, then insulin and growth together are amazing for that. It's not muscle, but you could easily look twenty, thirty pound bigger than you really are. Before getting sick, I got a bunch of Lantus, which now I can't really use. But 
Is it Mrs. Crossland with you? I see you like looking. Mm, she's just gone. Oh, did she bring you more tea? Don't think she's in a good mood. What did you do? I don't know, but I'll have done something. You did something, I'm sure. I'm definitely. <laughs> okay. We'll move on. Let me see what else we got here. <laughs> she can't hear me. No, she's gone. Okay. <laughs> Sometimes I feel a slight tingle in my chest and struggle to breathe deep when I inject test E. Is there any particular reason for this? Potentially, you've got benzoyl alcohol in your bloodstream, which is aspirated through your lungs, which will cause a constriction in the lungs, resulting in a shortness of breath. Have you ever gotten that? Yeah. Yeah, it sucks. Big time. It does, yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, it, it, first time it happens, it can be quite scary as well, if you've not ever had it before. I found it, it led to like really bad stomach acid later, a couple hours later. Yeah. I don't, I don't ever recall getting that. I get terrible indigestion. So if I got it, the only thing I can do is go ahead and eat like a bunch of Tums right away. If not, it's bad news, man. I've even done it like taking a shot before bed, gone to bed. It had that happen. And then two, three hours later, woken up in agony because my stomach hurts from stomach acid. The only time I get stomach acid is cheat meals. Oh, sure. Yeah. And I just, if I have, or a high, if I, if I have an irregularly high amount of food, then I'll get stomach acid. Uh, you ever, uh, you ever use digestive enzymes or uh, HCL? Not massively. Um, is it YSL3? I can never say it. I always get it wrong. Y three, yeah, YSL three or Y YL three or something like that. It's a probiotic, but oh. a very very good one. Okay, I've used that um, kefir, so fermented oh, goat's yeah. milk. I've used that, and, and I use that actually with a lot of clients. Uh, but I've never really had a big need to. Generally speaking, my stomach problems, or uh, generally speaking, I haven't really had stomach problems. So yeah. there's only been a few occasions where I've had issues arise. I find um, and that's enzymes instead of probiotic enzyme is really good to take like at the beginning mm -hmm. of the cheat meal as well as uh, HCL because it's okay. the, you know, that way you're getting uh, acid. Y you would think it would be counterproductive. You think like, you know, the U S it really Western medicine. We want to get rid of acid. So we take medications to reduce acid. You know, we take proton pump inhibitors and Tums and Pepto. When in reality, we get stomach acid because our body wasn't producing enough to begin with. So it gets mistimed, but you eat a bunch of food. And then a couple hours later, your body's still pumping out that acid. Now you don't need it. So if you get the acid in at the right time using like an HCL, then you it's, it's actually introducing stomach acid that you needed when you need it. Then your body doesn't overproduce it. It helps a lot. Yeah, and it, it, you've, like you said, the cheat meal scenario, it's because you've had an irregular increase in the amount of food yeah. you normally consume. I find people who fast sometimes have problems with this or people who like oh. backloading sometimes have a problem with this because they spend such a period of time with no food or low food that when they introduce a large meal, they then struggle. It's been Ramadan, and, and a couple yeah. of my Asian clients have, have struggled with acid because they've been fasting for so long. And then they're trying to ram huge amounts of food in in short periods of time, and the acid production goes overboard trying to keep up with it. Sure. 
where if, if you keep your meal size quite consistent, that will help lower acid production because there's no reason for an overproduction. All right. I see what I got here on the live feed. Um, quite a bit. We got a few questions. A lot of it's conversation, just people saying hi and stuff. Uh, anyone experience lethargy, fatigue on a, what is that word? Commencement. Commencement? Yes, the start of, the beginning of. Commencement. Oh. Commencement of Arimidex. Yes, Scott. So. It's an English word. It I mean, means to start. Something. I just, I'm not used to seeing it. <laughs> so what difference does that make? I'm not used to seeing elephants, brother. What what fucking looks like? <laughs> <laughs> okay, that was pretty good. Um, <laughs> one milligram Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Uh, that seems a lot as a start dose, as in straight in at. I mean, it depends what his cycle is, obviously, and what his yeah. estrogen sensitivity is, but that seems quite a hefty dose from the get go, does that? I yeah, Travis, if you're with us, man, tell us what the cycle looks like too. You think that maybe he doesn't need that much out the gate? Because I mean, basically, you end up getting. I, I here's what I hear: I hear Arimidex and I hear fatigue, and I hear low estrogen. You know? Yeah, um, that would be my the two things when people start complaining fatigue. The two things that my brain goes to is either low estrogen or thick blood. Yeah, and if he just started the cycle, it's you know probably not unlikely the to be. Yeah, it's unlikely to be. So it would be more like and and the good test on thick blood is that when you do train, once you get going, you actually feel energized. Yeah. But when you're not training or when you're resting, you feel very fatigued. That would be a good indication of thick blood. Just dropping it in so that people know. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, w- I would suspect that he may have overworked his AI. Yeah. So early in the cycle, you may not need it as much. Mm. Let's see. Max Holiday is listening while he's on the treadmill. Tez Teza says that uh, he gets stomach acid with a lack of sleep. He's bored. We're not talking to him. <laughs> um, what else do we have here? So uh, Nick says, uh, I tried opening up a berberine capsule once and taking it in water. Genuinely the worst thing I've ever tasted. Yeah, it's pretty nasty, isn't it? Right. Rule of thumb for anyone that's listening. If a product comes in capsule form, <laughs> it's generally because the powder form is fucking awful. Yeah. yeah. That's why they put it in a capsule. Otherwise, it'd just be a bloody powder. <laughs> All right. Uh, if someone uh, has a problem with elevated hematocrit hemoglobin and erythrocytes yeah uh when increasing dose which compounds would you suggest maybe test only because i also don't want to crash my hdl too right all compounds even tests are going to have a negative impact on hdl obviously some do it worse than others um so hdl actually we probably could do it using this as a topic one week because HDL management, I find, is the most neglected mm. element of cycling. 
Uh, it's the bit that people really don't pay any attention to. And I think it's probably because of over the years, particularly our generation, we've been hammered with the cholesterol thing. And so we've got quite numb to it. But yeah. HDL management is is crucially very important in your longevity when you, you do cycles. Um, the obvious thing is stay away from oxymethylone, sorry, nap 50s. Stay away from uh, uh, EQ. That'd be the main two. Uh, keep your estrogen in management. You don't want your estrogen going sky high because that's going to add to the production. Uh, beyond that, most other things are going to be fairly consistent and reasonable. Hmm. Um, if you have a problem with elevated hematocrit and, and hemoglobin, you let or, or consider IP6, but just be careful how you dose that. Hmm. I switched from inositol to IP6 now. I want to see what happens. I'd be interested to see how you feel on that, yeah. Yeah, me too. Um, let's see. Can you still burn fat with uh, beta and alpha, alpha agonists that you've mentioned if you take a beta blocker? That's a good question. I think it depends on how much of a beta blocker you're taking because it is going to keep you from being able to elevate your heart rate. You're not going to be able to... Uh, you're not going to be able to burn as rapidly. That's for sure. Most beta blockers are pretty fast acting. They have quite a decent, well, should I say they have quite a relatively short half-life. Okay. So it will be daily dosing. Sometimes it may even be by daily dosing. Mm. So if you're going to do cardio on beta blockers, I would look at potentially doing your cardio AM, and then take your tablets afterwards so that you're going to have the lowest amount of beta blocker in your system, which means you're going to get the benefit as much as you can from the cardio That's without totally disrupting your beta blocker management. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that would be how I would look at that. So fasted work or, or early morning work pre-medication would be the approach I would look to maximizing my fat loss with that. Of course, assuming that like you're, you know, heart rate doesn't go through the roof, right? I think that's going to be, if you've been on beta blockers for any period of time, there's going to be enough residual to stop it going stupid. Yeah. Um, and, and and that way you can you can still get a little bit more productivity out of the cardio you're doing without... The, the, see, this is the other thing as well, and this is where a lot of people, unfortunately, where medications can sometimes become a problem. So we take beta blockers to keep our heart rate from getting too high. Mm -hmm. But if our beta blocker dose is too high and our heart rate is suppressed too much, well, then we can't improve our cardiovascular fitness yep. through exercise. Absolutely. So there is a trade-off and there is a balance. And it is careful. It is worth being aware of this. And, and the problem is if you have an irregular heartbeat, which is what I have, um, you've got arterial fibrillation or something on that nature, then heartbeat monitors struggle because it's going up and down at such a varied rate, they struggle mm. to give you an accurate reading. Okay. Uh, and you can jump from 50 to 90 in the space of a couple of minutes with, you know, and so it's difficult to know where you truly are. Yeah. But uh, there is a fine balance in that, in, in getting benefit out of your cardiovascular activity, which is going to improve your heart and potentially reduce or even do away with the need for the beta blockers in the first place hmm. and having enough medication in so you don't start putting yourself at risk. 
Yeah. Uh, and unfortunately, there's no pre-formula to that. You just have to play around with it a little bit. Okay. Which is where splitting the dose can come in quite useful. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and dose in itself is going to play a role. I remember using uh, a very low dose of metoprolol when I was trying different uh, uh, blood pressure medications and it didn't have any effect. My doctor warned me, you know, it, it may have an effect on, on your ability to train hard, but it, it didn't affect my, my, when I tried to get my heart rate up, I could still do it. It wasn't an issue. Mm. I think that's all we got here, Dave. I think that's all of our questions. Good. Cause I need a piss. Yeah. Mm. That's different than take the piss. Yes. Uh, I got something so for you. Hey, the, the piss is making fun. I got something for Needing you for the road it. here. Fuck off, Scott. I thought you were going to give me a cake or something then. I was getting all excited. Uh, guys, give us some suggestions for the next episode, what you'd like to see us cover for our uh, you know, review of the Scott's week. Scott's face. Cover my face. We got a bunch of comments about Christmas cabbage. So he's not... Wait, why is he... You should talk to him. Get him back... On the next episode, we'll make it a special reunion show. I, I told you he, he, he's upset because of his contract terms and conditions. You offered him a shitty contract, and he said he's not appearing on the show, and now he's hit the ball. Yeah, that's rough. That's rough. All right, we'll get out of here. Guys, of course, check out uh, Dave. Just check him out. Go to crosslands.org.uk. You can check Dave out there. If you're local, you can get all your blood stuff down at Eval. So uh, if you're in the Yorkshire area, just Yorkshire. walk up and ring his doorbell. I'm not falling for it again. You can piss <laughs> off. Um, you can even check out my OnlyFans page. You got an OnlyFans now? Sweet. Have I bollocks? <laughs> <laughs> Who yeah. the fuck would pay money to see me naked? Come on. I don't know. There's all sorts out there. We'll see. We'll there, set, is, we'll there is some weird fuckers out there. <laughs> Times get tough, Dave. You know you got only fans, right? <coughs> mm. All right. For another episode of Drugs uh. and Stuff with Dave Crossland, I'm Scott McNally. Guys, we appreciate you hanging out with us. We'll see you soon. Oh.